Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Grain Waves podcast. I'm Rodney. And I'm Gabe. And we'll be taking you through real-time insights and analysis of grain marketing decisions. My wife and I were big into music and, um, you know, we go to Nashville a lot. We like going to, uh, you know, the beach. We like being around people and doing people things. And we're already looking forward to that next vacation. Uh, Spokane, Washington to get to, you know, Glacier National Park in Montana appears to be our next vacation. That, you know, that's wildly different than what we would normally strive to go. And I think that has a lot to do with just this, you know, easing back into real life. Right. Like uh, I saw it. We Vegas has been on our list of places to go. We've, we've just never been. And I, there, a plane ticket to Vegas in June from Chicago right now. Thirty five dollars round trip. Like <laughs> I can't even drive to St. Louis for thirty five dollars. And and that being said, I'm still like, eh, I think I'll skip this one for now. Will they hand you a barrel of crude? That's part of that deal <laughs> yeah. too. It's a, yeah, it's probably yeah. It, it, I wonder if it requires crude purchase to get that. It's <laughs> like it's seventy dollars, or you purchase a barrel of crude as well. I was talking with with one of our analysts and. Um, he's been around even longer than you and I have. Uh, he's probably got a decade on us or so. Yep. And, you know, nobody's seen this before. Um, he's like, man, I like, I feel like the market's just broken. Like, I, I'll be honest, when I saw the negative number, I was like, I didn't know the exchange could handle a negative price for crude. Uh, uh, first I'm off, impr- I'm surprised they could. I, yeah. I'm impressed that it could. Yeah. That was a, that was a huge surprise. Um, you know, and it, to some extent, like understanding like the fundamentals, like, hey, there's a bunch of over, production or you know given every the the increased uh, or significantly decreased demand and there's probably some other stuff going on that we don't have insight to but we'll you know we'll get uh over time but man that's crazy right like a negative value for a commodity um the uh, the thing i always used to talk about and and you know when we go do our models and things like that we we kind of put a rough uh, floor on the price of corn. Like if we want to forecast yeah. prices and, and do some distributions and modeling, um, you know, I think we use like buck 80 or two bucks, but but something well above zero and certainly not a negative yeah. price. Right. And, and so that's, um, you know, sitting back and thinking about like, is, is do, you know, what, what do we do here? Now on the flip side, right, you can pile corn up, which is different than crude, right? You can't just make a pile of crude um right and so so the the value may go down and get real low in in certain situations but it seems unlikely in most cases it's difficult to imagine a scenario where we just don't have places to put corn anymore sure uh you know it's funny i i had the same initial thought right so if crude can go below zero can corn go below zero <laughs> because <laughs> in my head it's never been a possibility right yeah and but, but what's crazy is as late as say monday morning i didn't think it was a possibility for crude <laughs> right yeah. so yeah. so like things change um but then i got to thinking all right so crude went to, to negative values i understand that and i think we should talk more about the what actually happened there but, um, you know, so hogs were next in my mind, right? Like, so, so this, with the shutdowns in, uh, you know, in Minnesota on some processing plants and um, I got to thinking like, can hogs go to less than zero? Yeah. Which takes me back to the 90s, right? So I'm going back a ways now. This is before my trading days for sure. 
But essentially, I don't like hog futures. I don't think went to zero. I'm sure they didn't. But I do remember months where guys were just giving away hogs for free, right? So essentially, the price is zero, even though it's not mm-hmm. maybe zero on the board. And you had to pay for processing of of that hog to turn it into bacon, what everybody wants, right? Is the bacon mm-hmm. outside of that pork. So, um, you know, that really is a negative cash value for that uh, bacon, right? Or, or whatever, for the, for the pork, since you had to pay processing, which I think back at the time, I remember it being like 200 bucks or 250 bucks. So a pig that you got for free cost $250. Um, that's a negative value. So I think it is realistic that it could potentially happen in corn. I, I, to your point, we can store it in a number of different ways. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Did you see the Did you see the spreadsheet that the guy made yesterday about renting a Manhattan appoint, apartment to store oil? <laughs> no, yeah, I did not. So, so I'll send it to you. But he he calculated the cubic feet of a three thousand dollar a month apartment in New York in Manhattan, mm-hmm. and figured out he could carry eight hundred ninety barrels of oil in it. And uh, was, you know, how's this? Buying oil at negative $35 and selling the carry for next May at like positive $40 or something. Mm -hmm. So he was taking $75 a barrel, you know, calculated interest, $3,000 payment. He forgot about freight, just like everybody always does, (laughs) you know, from Texas to New York. But well, you gotta uh, walk it up the the you know the five story walk up in Brooklyn probably right, right exactly yeah, yeah, yeah no some logistical yeah. some logistical issues for sure but he was net ahead like thirty six thousand dollars uh, paying three thousand dollars a month rent for a five hundred square foot apartment and that's a real thing right like that yeah. worked yeah well the but if you're gonna go by crude, you have to go by forty thousand barrels, right? On the yeah, futures. So I don't, yeah, I don't think it needs a couple of apartments. But yeah, there's yeah. ETFs for that, right? I can get an uh, ETF. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah it does weird things, right? And that that's why it it feels like there's probably some other uh, forces at work beyond just the fundamental valuation. Um, but that pushed it there, obviously. Um, yeah, where it was possible. So I. Uh, you know, this morning I, I got up a little early and was looking into this whole oil thing to see. And essentially, the first thing I found was a news article saying oil's at negative values. The world is clearly over because of COVID-19. Right. <laughs> so uh, first off, Gabe, are you shocked to hear that reaction? I, you know, I'm not. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not blown away that somehow it got connected back to that directly and that the world's yeah. ending. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm always fearful that guys like me and you are less empathetic to that, like overly non excitable about that. Cause I, I, you know, look, I, I think people get too excited and it's a great way to get people to listen to your podcast is to say the world's ending because oil is minus $40. I think we're the antithesis of that, but I worry about that. We're overlooking some real connection there. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, but I, mean- I don't think we are. So, so there are real connections, right? Again, demand for oil is down because demand for fuel and and goods produced, you know, with energy are, is down. Like, like there, there's no question that we're in some degree of economic slowdown, and the question just, you know, we won't really know till we're moving through it how how bad it is. Um, and then, but but the idea that that's the end of the world, like that hyperbolic right headline is is uninteresting right like when you come at me with something like that not you but like like when yeah. somebody writes a hyperbolic headline it's kind of like 
I, to be honest, these days, most of the time, I'll just leave it alone, right? Like, I, I like, I don't, because you're you're starting out at this ridiculous place, and let's pretend you're right. The world's ending. I, you know, the next thing I'm going to do is not read your article and go yeah. go do something else, right? Like, it, it, like yeah. you're you're. It, um, so I understand it, it, it why why they do that, but it, it's not. It doesn't feel helpful in terms of understanding. And of course, now we're all experts on negative crude prices, so. Like, yeah, yeah, me included for sure. Yeah. Uh, so now that we're experts, let's talk about what actually happened here. This appears to me to be a long squeeze. And well, we've we've seen it basically in any any material bear move in equities, right? Where where um, you know people are long on margin and things start to turn, like those losses are exponential. Uh, and so then so then they build on themselves, right? You you see sell 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 sell. That's why those moves can be so violent because basically, you know, so we, so long squeeze, right? Let's, let's talk about what that is. Yeah. So long squeeze is when there's a participant in the market who is who owns a bunch of something. Um, generally, they, they own it and they not only do they own it, they actually probably own way more than they need. And it may be that they're just a speculator. In fact, don't need to own any of it. And, and often they're trading on margin, which is um, they're they have much more exposure to the value of, of whatever it is they're buying, so in this case crude, than the actual money they have. So so the crude oil contract, right, when we're $20 a barrel and and it, that, act, that futures contract is worth $80,000. Yep. One of the great things about futures is I don't have to give the exchange $80,000 to own that contract. So, but what that means is it, you know, I may only need $5,000. So, to own one contract. And so if I've got $80,000, I can go buy, let me do that math in my head, 20 contracts? No, 40 contracts. 40, yeah. 40, well, you, you do the math. Like I, I'm just here talking about people. <laughs> so so I can go both buy 40 contracts, which is, and so, so again, going back to our math, so if I own 40 contracts, I actually own uh, what, 320,000, 3.2 million barrels? It's gonna be 3.2 million, yeah. Right, barrels of crude. Um, and so every time the market drops, right, like that's eating into it. So so I own way more crude than I have any need for. Um, yeah. And if it goes against me, like I have to, you know, I have to give in money, make good. So there hits a point where not only like, like it's so bad that I, I basically lose control of the position because I don't have the money to make good. And then we see that that's where the squeeze comes in. And so not only are you getting, if you're the owner are you experiencing the loss from the the basic move that happens? There's often a follow-on negative move that move that comes from you having to exit what in, again in these long squeeze situations, exit what is generally a very large position in a very short amount of time. So I have to sell out of a bunch of crude, which pushes the market even lower, which then might trigger other knockdown effects. So so I think that's the long squeeze you're talking about. It yep, doesn't just refer exactly. to the amount of time it takes to explain, but, yeah, <laughs> but when you're yeah. long, that means you own the market, right? So farmers are always long corn or what you know, whatever it is their crops are, um, and uh, and yeah, yeah. So I think what gets bypassed in every or not every, but most articles that I've read about this so far is that it's that today is the contract expiration of those May futures. Right. So if you were a speculator in the market, which we at some point we should cover speculators and how much we love them, even though a lot of people hate them. I guarantee a lot of people hate them after yesterday. You know, some people. Uh, so oh, where was I? 
there, uh, yeah, so, so expiration happened today. So probably historically, there's only a few people that can actually take delivery on an oil contract. All right. Mm-hmm. I think we could probably name a few of them off the top of our heads, right? I assume BP is one of those players. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what happened is those guys are covered up in oil and they literally had no interest space, anything for these contracts. So some other probably opportunistic person came in there and said, yeah, I'll, I'll buy that oil from you at negative whatever. Right. <laughs> and that's how we get. You can where pay we get. me to buy it from you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it got me thinking about a short squeeze, which, which we see more often, right? I'm, I'm used to like what, this morning I had this aha moment where I said long squeeze. That was the first time that that had ever gotten in my head, but a short squeeze I'm very used to. Why don't you talk to us about that? Just a touch. Most of the time, if you're getting long a market, you're, so if you're getting long something real, like you're buying equities or you're buying bonds, um, you may be able to buy on margin, but the ratios, right? So the number of things you can buy per dollar is a lot lower. Um, than many other things. So where it gets tricky is if I sell equities, right? Like you're never actually allowed to sell an equity that you don't own. How much money do I need to have to sell something I don't have? Wait, <laughs> the yeah. answer is not a lot, right? Right. So so it like all short all short equity sales are almost all of them trade on margin. And and so it's it's and obviously all so all futures contracts trade on margin, which is the crude situation. But also, so do if if you're selling equities, you're always trading on margin. And so that's why we see it more often in more markets because if you short things in cash markets, not futures markets, like you you do those on margin basically. And so you can yep. take on. It's easy to get in trouble by taking on a lot more exposure than you should be. And so that that's why I see it more often. So a similar situation where I've sold uh, a bunch of things, um, you know, maybe I, maybe I think Google's going under, and I go sell a million shares of Google, and then all of a sudden Google starts to go up. Well, I've got to pay somebody that difference, right? Um, and yeah. so it's the same story except going the other way. So now that now I have to buy back those shares of Google that I sold, and I probably have to buy back a lot in a short amount of time, which causes further you know, price increases that may also trigger additional buying or, or um, it may cause other people who have shorted the stock to also have to get out, right? Yep. So there can be these chain reactions Any any anytime there's uh, somebody getting squeezed. And un- ultimately, like these things are generally exacerbated because it's a bunch of volume trading that isn't really expected and it's trading in a small window of time um, and doesn't have the luxury of, of taking it easy. Yep. Yeah, and we've seen, you know, since uh, Electronic came around in the commodities business, we've seen a few short squeezes that were really quick, right? Like, uh, I, I can't remember the dates. I, I swore I would remember them forever where, you know, somebody accidentally bought a million contracts or something and the market <laughs> was happy to squeeze them out on the way up or whatever, right? Yeah, well, they had no business being in there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and in seconds, we saw that. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to the Grain Waves podcast. Every week we analyze the markets to bring insight to challenging decisions you make every day. Sometimes we could all use more support. If you feel overly affected by stress, know that you're not alone. Visit our show notes to find resources that may be helpful for you.
The material contained in this presentation is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be construed as any trading advice or market outlook. There are risks associated with participating in any trade or transaction in financial instruments, and each party should independently consider such risks and perform their own due diligence prior to the execution of any trade or transaction. Indigo makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy of any information or opinions contained herein.